You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. So you want to lead a revolution. Welcome to The Game Changers. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, along with Jason Jennings. Jason, so good to hear your voice today. Uh, Dale, it is. I, I love doing these. It's it's truly great to be back with you. And uh, we're talking about leading a revolution. It's a game changing idea, as always, that we bring to you on these podcasts. But we're going to dive into this. And, and you say it takes really three things for a person to be able to lead a revolution. So let's dive right in. And and why this idea today? Because when we start these podcasts, uh, you just throw out the the topic. You say you want to talk about leading a revolution. We don't talk about it ahead of time. So. Help us as the listeners understand what it is that brings this to mind today. Well, this is a piece of research uh, that my uh, that my head of research, uh, Larry Houghton, uh, who has worked with me on all of my books, was actually the co-author of my first book. This is something he came across several weeks ago, and uh, he sent it to me in an email. It's about six or seven paragraphs long. And uh, it's probably the most powerful six or seven short paragraphs I have, uh, I've ever read in my life. Because as I finished it, I went, this is some of the most important stuff, if not the most important thing I've ever read. Because it really sums up in a few paragraphs my entire life's work and the result of all of our research. And for those who are not frequent listeners to these podcasts, I always like to point out that uh, I, I, I try hard not to spend a lot of time ta- talking about things that I want to talk about or sharing my opinions. I mean, everything that we talk about is really a result of, of data-driven discovery because over the past uh, 12 years uh, for my books, uh, we have done financial calculations on 220,000 companies. Uh, we have built dossiers on 55,000 companies. Uh, we have interviewed 12,000 CEOs, business leaders, business owners, generated a half million pages of interview transcripts, and then wrote the books on speed and productivity and innovation and leadership and reinvention and growth. And so what I, what I always like to set up, Dale, is that instead of my sitting here telling people what I think, because frankly, I don't, I don't, I don't know that what I think is any more important than what anybody else thinks, uh, and maybe what they think is more important than what I think because they're actually out there doing it every day. And, but, but what I do strive to be is a, is a darn good journalist and researcher sharing uh, the distillation of all of that study. And so when I came across these several paragraphs on leading a revolution, and who wouldn't like to lead a revolution? I mean, if, if you're opening up uh, your first restaurant in Decatur, Illinois, you're hoping to lead a revolution and, and be successful. If you're about to uh, launch a startup in Silicon Valley, I mean, guess what? Uh, in the back of your mind, you would love to lead a resolution. You'd, you'd love to be at the forefront of, of, of change. If you're opening up your first dental practice, I mean, you're hoping to lead a revolution. You're hoping to be very successful. Who wouldn't like to lead a revolution and lead change? And so you're probably familiar, uh, most of our listeners would be familiar, uh, with an author by the name of Kurt Vonnegut. Well, he certainly 
doesn't write in the business space, and, and you would not think of him as knowing anything about leadership. <clears throat> but he is the author of, of these great books, Slaughterhouse-Five, Cat's Cradle, Breakfast of Champions, passed away several years ago. Just a remarkable, remarkable author, consistently named in, in probably among the top 50 authors in American history. So this is an arcane small piece uh, that my head of research, Larry Houghton, came across on how to lead a revolution. And so listen to the words. They are few, but if, but if you're ready to get this, they are huge. He says, the team leading the revolution must consist of three sorts. Otherwise, the revolution, whether in politics, the arts, or the sciences, or whatever, is sure to fail. First and the rarest, Vonnegut writes, is an authentic visionary, a person capable of having truly great ideas outside the conventional wisdom. He adds, a visionary working alone is invariably ignored as a lunatic. The second sort of specialist, he writes, is a highly intelligent leader in a community, an authority who understands and admires the fresh ideas of the visionary and who testifies that the vision is far from being mad. He says, a person like this working alone can only yearn out loud for changes but cannot conceive what their shapes should be. The third sort, Vonnegut writes, is a person driven to explain everything, no matter how complicated, to the satisfaction of people, no matter how stupid or pig-headed they may be. This person will say almost anything, tell any story, in order to be acknowledged as interesting and exciting. Working alone, inspired solely on his own shallow ideas and demanding of attentions, he can be as full of shit as a Christmas goose. Vonnegut concludes, if you can't get a cast like that together, you can forget changing anything in a great big way. I read those words, and I wrote, I guess they could be my epitaph. I guess they represent the distillation of all that research we've done and my entire life's work. It led me to one of the biggest aha moments I've ever had. But, of course... If you're going to lead change, if you're going to lead a revolution, it does. It takes a visionary, somebody with this great big idea. It takes an authority who can actually make it happen and says that it is not crazy. And then it takes a storyteller to gain the followers. And after I first read this, I immediately started thinking of great companies I started thinking about once great companies who are not great companies, who have failed and stumbled. And in every single case, you could take those three words, visionary, authority, and storyteller, and you could explain why the company was successful or why the company was a failure. And the first one I thought about was you'll recall when Carly Fiorina took over this one of the world's most incredible brands, Hewlett-Packard, and basically drove it into the ground and gave up half the shareholder value during her reign. And if you examine her performance through the lens of a visionary, an authority, and a storyteller, you go, that's why she failed. First of all, she was not a visionary. I don't think she ever had a vision in her life. She was an authority. In fact, she was like a, a nasty old school teacher, I mean, in a religious school. 
I'm the boss here and things will be done my way and yes, I will have three jets and yes, when I enter the room, you better stand at attention. So she was an authority, but she was not a storyteller and any time she ever tried to tell a story, she was so transparent that you could tell that you were being manipulated. So I thought, wow, I mean, of course Hewlett Packard was going to stumble under her reign because it takes a visionary and authority and a storyteller to make anything big happen in business. And then I thought about the guys at Google and I went, oh my God, yes, they were visionaries. They understood they were not authorities, so they brought in the elderly, middle-aged authority, and then they filled the company with ranks of storytellers. And then all of a sudden, I thought about Apple, and then I began considering the way that Motorola had stumbled and failed over the years. And Dale, I'm absolutely convinced you can look at any single enterprise, any enterprise, and say, this is the reason they were successful, this is the reason they might have been successful once and failed, or this is the reason they didn't make it. Because it takes three things, Dale, a visionary, an authority, and a storyteller to make anything big happen in business. Now, here's the problem, and maybe I'm anticipating your next question. Let's see. Yes. Most people are not those three things. (laughs) Most people are not capable of being all of those three things. And so the challenge is to know thyself and say, okay, I've got this big, huge vision, but I really don't have the authority, so I guess I better find an authority figure to validate my idea and administrate it on a day-to-day basis. But I am a very good storyteller, so I'll be the visionary and the storyteller, but I I really need an authority. Or you might say, I'm a real good buttoned-down authority, but I've never had a vision in my life, so maybe I'd better find a visionary, and maybe we'd better surround ourselves with a bunch of, a bunch of storytellers. And you'll recall that last week uh, we talked about my, my research visits and in-home visits with Procter & Gamble while in Istanbul. And you recall how I concluded that? That after making these hundreds of in-home visits and spending time with customers, we went back to the hotel. And what did I tell you? It was story time. You could only tell your visits framed in a story. And then I thought about Charles Schwab, and I wrote about this in uh, It's Not the Big to Eat the Small, It's the Fast to Eat the Slow, that during their years of extraordinary rapid growth, the question was, how did they get everybody on board culture very quickly? And at every off-site meeting, what they did is at the end of the day, they put a rocking chair up on the stage, and for an hour, they invited people to come and sit in the rocking chair and tell Schwab stories. You know, your favorite teachers, your favorite professors, the people who've had the greatest impact on you and your life and the life of everybody have been great storytellers. So it takes a visionary, an authority, and a storyteller to make anything happen in business. This is, I believe, huge. So you started out talking about uh, the person who wants to start a restaurant, the dentist who wants to start a practice, and then you, you explain this, and we do see this in the iconic brands out there. Let's take it full circle and and let's talk about that dentist who might see himself as a visionary and think, you know what, I might not have the authority yet or I'm not the storyteller I need to be. Uh, Where do the people who are looking to make the change, who aren't part of the, the iconic brand, the small business on Main Street in Iowa or Indiana, where do they start this process? Well, I think you've got to be ruthless uh, with yourself and say, 
uh, which of those attributes uh, do I possess? Am I a visionary? Do I, do, do I march to a different drummer? Do I, do I see something very big that, that I believe can be? I mean, that's what a, a visionary really is. And then you have to ask yourself, I mean, do I have the authority to validate this big idea or, or, or do I need some help there? And then you've got to ask yourself, uh, am I a great storyteller? And most people uh, tend to be delusional. Uh, I guess everybody would probably think they're a bad story, or that they're a good storyteller, and most aren't. Uh, most are heavy yawners uh, or, or give stories that are yawners. And, you know, where does the story come from? And, and, and the reason that most people are horrible storytellers is, is because they're telling stories from the head. And uh, stories never come from the head. Uh, stories always come from the heart. Uh, I remember the days that my friend uh, Guy Kawasaki, I mean, what was Guy, Guy Kawasaki's first job? Uh, his first job was at Apple. His title was chief evangelist. Well, you can call it whatever you want. He was the chief storyteller. And so, uh, so you have to be ruthless with yourself. Uh, what, what characteristics do I possess? Am I a visionary? Am I an authority? Am I a storyteller? And so I, I, I think, so you conclude you're a visionary? Well, then you need to find an authority, I mean, who's, who, whose very presence is going to validate your big vision. And they're going to run things on a day-to-day basis. I mean, they're, 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 their mere presence is seen as validating the big dream or the big vision. And then I think you have to constantly work hard to instill these great stories in people. So we were talking about the young dentist breaking away from a practice who has a vision, uh, of creating this this in, incredible new dental practice, and and he or she is a a little bit out there. Uh, they're seen as marching to the tune. They're, they're a great clinician, but they've got this big idea that consumes them. So they're going to have to hire somebody to run the office. I mean, to be the authority and whose very presence is going to say, "Look, this dude's legitimate." I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be here. That's what the presence of an authority does. And then storytelling like everything else it's my favorite word you hear me use it all the time storytelling is intentional i mean you've got to take a couple of hours a week to figure out the greatest stories i mean do you remember this person who came in here with all of their top teeth missing or i mean the horrible decay we found and i mean the story of of how we gave them a mouthful of teeth and how they left here and i mean they were gorgeous and beautiful i mean or, or the child who had never been in a dental chair and now loves coming to the dentist i mean these are the things i mean that that move the vision forward uh, but again you got to take time to build the stories you got to take time to think about the stories uh you've got to take time to memorize the stories you've got to take time to tell the stories from the heart and i love one 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 of kurt vonnegut's last lines and and i I get it, and maybe I'm going to lose credibility here with my listeners. I hope I don't, but I love this line. He says, the stories can be as full of shit as a Christmas goose. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think true stories are much better, but I don't really think it matters. I think you've got to have the vision, you've got to have the authority, and then you've got to have these wonderful stories moving the vision closer to being. Now, I'm going back to last week when we talked about Procter & Gamble and listening to the customer, and I'm wondering for those small businesses out there who are really tapped into their customers, can they find some customers to help on the authority and the storytelling piece? Uh, you know, I, I, I think the best thing is to have your customers uh, telling 
your story. I, 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 I don't know about the authority, but it's certainly in, in the storytelling. I mean, if I owned a small business today, I would be giving, and I own that small restaurant, I mean, I would certainly uh, be giving uh, free lunch coupons or half-off dinner coupons for the best customer story of the week. I mean, you know, submit us our story uh, on how you as the single dad took your daughter who was not feeling well to the doctor. She was terrified of going to the doctor, and it turned out there was nothing wrong. And to celebrate nothing being wrong, he took her out for an ice cream sundae at your restaurant. And over a shared ice cream sundae, this little girl looked up at Daddy and said, Daddy, I love you. Can we come here all the time? Well, that's the kind of a story. Something as simple as that can become a story. And you can embellish that story and do all kinds of things to dress up that story. And I, you, can, you, you, know, you can put that story on a menu. You can hang that story on a wall. Your staff can be told that story about the little girl looking at her father over the, over the ice cream sundae and saying, Daddy, I love you. Can we always come here? And that's the importance um, of a story. But, but, but how simply, how easy it is to find these stories and then to be able to tell these stories and live these stories. And I really, I, I, I heard a line a number of years ago, don't know where it was, um, and somebody told me, if you call someone a horse ten times, they'll start looking for hay. You know, if you tell a story ten times, you'll start believing it. And everybody else will start believing it too. And the importance is vision, authority, storytelling. You put those three components together, you're going to have something incredibly successful. Now you've got to be ruthless with yourself and figure out which talents and traits you possess and which you don't. And it is a game changer to lead a revolution. Jason Jennings, uh, we're out of time today. Thank you so much. Great content for us. If you appreciated this content, uh, we appreciate you listening and helping us spread this good word. If you would go into iTunes and review the podcast, uh, at least rate the podcast, when you do that, it places us up higher on the iTunes list so more people see it and have access to this great content. The other thing, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to start going through the questions uh, in the upcoming episodes, but we'd love to hear your questions for Jason. It is questions at jason-jennings.com. And Jason, thank you so much. Until next week. Uh, Dale, as I said at the beginning, I love doing these with you. I look forward to seeing you next week again. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.